Hello, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering burning questions on how men think. I'm Lancey McCall, today's moderator, and our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. Hello. All right, guys, today's listener question is, what's one bit of advice you would give to a woman looking to write a three-dimensional male character? Mm. Three-dimensional male character. Three-dimensional male Okay, so I guess I'll start on this one. Um, it seems to me if you want a three-dimensional male character, you got to look at what would make a male character two-dimensional. And I think if you if you do that, what you find is whatever stereotypically makes a man a man. You know, his machismo, his... Uh, leadership qualities or his his sex drive or whatever and then challenge those with the other elements of his personality like his insecurities and then his doubts or confusions and then once you start doing that you start creating a, a more well-rounded three-dimensional character now how you do that and and you know the the decisions you you make about him in those areas that's where it gets tricky i'm sure but you if you know your character if you know who you want to write then uh uh that's a good place to start to round him out in a three-dimensional way i want to pass it off to michael now and then we can discuss more about it after he answers we because had a, out of to, we had to a question two or three weeks ago that says, how do you write a man without feminizing him? Yeah. And I think a lot of the answers we're going to give today are going to be similar to that. Um, the, the reality is, is that <clears throat> all men in, in our society, and this is not, well, I should say all men in the society that CT and I inhabit, this is not necessarily the case in all societies. Um, which is, you know, white American male, um, heterosexual white American male, um, have a few characteristics that are pretty consistent across the board. Um, there are certain behaviors that are re required, certain certain things that that men just do and don't do. Um, some funny examples are like, you know, where do you stand when you go to the bathroom? Do you talk in the bathroom? No, you don't. That that's forbidden. You don't talk in the bathroom. And that's one of those, you know, things you can make a, a light joke about, um, especially if you've got a character that is not normally a male or not normally part of our culture that is in the bathroom starts talking. It's like, hey, you're you're breaking the rules. And that can be very funny. But some of the other characteristic traits, and I'll just start out with probably the one that that strikes my head. Uh right out of the gate is is loneliness um if you write a male character and you write him where he has a lot of people that he can talk to about his problems you are writing an inaccurate representation of of male life typically they only have one maybe two very close people that they can talk about a lot of things but even then there are certain subjects that are pretty taboo amongst men talking to men um so there are a lot of problems that we have to tackle on our own. We have to figure out on our own and um, there's nobody that we can talk to about them. And 
uh, I think that the misconception that a lot of female authors have is that we don't talk about it because we don't want to or we can't. Um, the, the reality is the can't is probably a little bit true, but the not wanting to is not necessarily the case. We've just kind of been taught by society, these topics are topics you don't talk about, especially if you're coming at it from a position of weakness or uncertainty. So we don't talk about them. Um, and um, you can, I think you could write a really deep male character <clears throat> if you're inside his head. <clears throat> Excuse me, hang on one second. I cough very loudly and I did not want to give anybody a bloody eardrum there. So I had to mute. That's very um, two-dimensional of you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Men cough loudly. That well I normally I don't know all do, but I do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So um, but yeah, so the so there can be a point where he may be quiet and reticent, and his the female or the uh, the the relationship partner that he has may be wondering, you know, what's going on with him? You know, why is he so quiet? Well, it may be because he's thinking about something that is very difficult for him to talk about outside, or he's ashamed to talk about to anybody. And so therefore he's holding it all in because he knows he can't, he doesn't have an avenue to talk about, it. doesn't have an avenue to go. And that was illustrated uh, especially well, whenever you look at um, the television show, Mad Men, not all of the characters on Mad Men, were misogynist jerks, just some of them were. And um, so there were some uh, really poignant examples of the isolation that men live with in that show where a man might be dealing with his sexuality or a man might be dealing with his financial problems or a man might be dealing with um, uh, an extramarital affair that's presenting itself at work when he wants to stay true to his wife. There's all kinds of situations where all of a sudden now he's in a situation he can't talk about it to anybody, right? And he's stuck and he's got to deal with that pain on his own. And at that time in the 1950s and 60s, when there were very clearly defined roles, the man was the breadwinner, the woman was more of the uh, stay-at-home mom, uh, he was not supposed to ask his wife what should I do with relation to say a financial problem, maybe an investment went south and now he doesn't have any money and he can't afford the lifestyle that his wife is used to and his kids, but he's got to keep up appearances and he's torn in the middle. What's he going to do? Can't talk to anybody at work about it. Can't get a loan because nobody will give him a loan. Can't talk to his wife about it. He's stuck. And that is a, a very difficult situation that can lead men to desperate moves. Um, that that is not often well executed in in uh, literature. I'm going to stop there. There are many other examples of how to write a three-dimensional character, and I don't want the whole episode to be about the loneliness of men. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, let PT comment, and then we can move on to another topic. Okay, I'm going to yeah. Off of what you just said, I think that uh, when a man steps out of that traditional role that he's expected to play. I think that helps to create a more three-dimensional character. For instance, what mm -hmm. Michael just said about the, uh, the guy on, on Mad Men, for instance, who didn't want to go to his wife because it wasn't his role to do that about a bad investment or whatever the case might be. Imagine if, he, if it tortured him internally enough to where he found the strength of character enough to approach her about that. 
Now we know two things about him. Number one, he knows he's not supposed to do that. But number two, his strength of character overcomes that fear. That's a well-rounded male character, or that's a character well on his way to being a well-rounded male character. And I would like to add that gives you an opportunity to set an example of how women, how you as an author would like to see women react to that. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times we're scared we're going to be ridiculed or berated. And the reality is, is a comforting, welcoming, and thoughtfully, you know, trying to problem solve response is a godsend. Yeah, and if both characters walk away feeling a bit more satisfied and fulfilled by it, you might have a, a nice beginning of a, a nicely character-driven romantic comedy or romantic drama or whatever the case might be. It's, it, you know, as an example in real life, <laughs> I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I work with a guy, uh, a male friend of mine, and uh, he and I, we're, we're pretty close. We only know each other at the work, at the, at the job, but we see each other every day and we're pretty, pretty tight and we communicate well. We've got a lot in common. Um, I know that he's a believer and he's, he's a church going kind of guy and he's a, a devout believer. And we, we, but our communication is kind of energetic and loud. And uh, he was like talking about, sexuality in america today and he even said he what he said was yeah you know i'm a born-again virgin i haven't even i I haven't even satisfied myself in like three years (laughs) (laughs) and right you know right then my my nature as the kind of person i am i want to understand that and i want to Tell him, hey, that's great. And, and I want to support him in his decision making. Right. And, and all that. But my impulses as a man was like, whoa, whoa, I didn't ask all that, man. You know, so so, um, you know, that is him kind of stepping outside of the role, the traditional prescribed role of a male character. You know, you know, I talk with my hands. OK, uh, it's very feminine of me. Um, <laughs> way to break stereotypes, ET. No, I actually, yeah, I actually wasn't making fun of you. I was actually talking with my hand saying, Yeah, the rules. <laughs> I was following along with you. <laughs> I thought you were noting, noting, uh, but yeah, yeah, um, which I guess that right there kind of, uh, kind of, uh, bridges the gap right i mean uh it's it's kind of interesting i'm talking my hands you see me doing that you talk with your hands whatever but anyway original point uh yeah so that was that was this this guy uh and he's a gym goer he's lean he's muscular he's strong he looks you know physically good completely stepping out of his role his expected role and so i guess in my head you could say well that kind of rounded him out a little bit now i know him a little bit deeper um maybe deeper than i wanted to or expected to but his personality and his character is starting to round out and become a little more three-dimensional you know i wouldn't have suspected that about him he's always talking he's girl crazy he talks about women all the time and yet here he is a born again virgin who is uh you know doesn't even shank the plank so to speak I kind of love that. Um, just, I mean, just to kind of summarize and rephrase, take your characters out of their comfort zone and you'll round them out. Right. I love that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Turn them against their stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. So question for you guys, do you think men writing women have the same struggles? Do you think it's the exact same struggle or do you think there are nuances? I think it's the exact same struggle. Um, but considering the differences in gender. Yeah. 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 I think it's the same problem. It's just from the different angle. Right? Different angle. Yeah. You're, you're still trying to tackle the getting inside the opposite gender's mind, but we're just coming at it from the opposite direction. Well, do you think it's easier for men to write women? Because, you know, allegedly women talk a lot about what's going on inside their head. Um, you know, yes, mm -hmm. I think it's easier for men to write female characters. Uh, and it, But it may, may or may not be because of the same reason you just suggested. I think it's easier for men to write female characters because female characters, especially nowadays, you kind of see it trending. People want strong female characters. And so when you take a female character, how do you make her strong? Well, one way to do that is to carefully include some masculine traits that are considered stereotypically strong. Like maybe this woman, uh, this female character, becomes a battlefield leader maybe her side is losing so she picks up the banner and she charges forward with the words you know we will live this day and we will you know move forward and now you have a strong female character that is easy to write because all you got to do is sort of infect or inject i should say not infect inject her with what is stereotypically male um um but when, in writing a character trait, yeah. yes, but it, yes, but in writing, I don't mean male, I mean male character trait, yes, yeah. Um, in writing a, a male character who's three dimensional, how do you do that without, without making him seem what like what is stereotypically weak, you know, or whatever? You have to, you have to make his weaknesses strengths, you have to make, make his humility a strength. You have to make what what embarrasses him a strength, so to speak. You know, like if a man is humbled towards his wife, stereotypically that he may that man may now be frowned upon. But if we're reading this character who's humbled towards his wife, we might think, well, that's a strong that's a strong man. Then he's he's he understands that humility. Or there, but, but again, it just goes back to flipping it against the stereotype. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive off in a different direction on that. Um, I remember learning in a uh, I'll be honest with you I accumulate knowledge and can't always cite my source, but in essence, it was uh, somebody citing or describing how men and women handle chaos or more importantly like um, a catastrophe of some level, like an emergency. So. Um, the the old adage is that men or the the way that this guy described it was men kind of think in boxes like we kind of compartmentalize our our thinking and women are like a plate of spaghetti all of their thoughts are kind of intermingled with each other so it's very hard to dis disentangle one strand of thought uh if you have a plate of spaghetti type of mind whereas if you have a compartmental mind you can zero in on one very specific area of thought and live in that pretty cons 
pretty consistently for a period of time and not have to really concern yourself with the others. And this is a spectrum. Not everybody is fully compartmentalized and not everybody is a continuous string of spaghetti, but that gives a kind of example of what I'm talking about. So he was talking about how when an emergency shows up, men typically, they open up the emergency box. All right, I'm now thinking about what to do in an emergency. We need to get every, like if the house is on fire, we need to get myself and my kids and my wife and we need to get out of the house, right? And if there's time, I'll grab the dog and the cat, but everything else needs to stay. Just get out of the house, get down, get out. And the woman being more spaghetti kind of thinking might be thinking about, oh, well, you know, where's my phone? I got to get this. And what am I going to do about this? And then I, you know, do I need to get on the floor now or do I get on the floor later? Whereas the guy's like, get down, right? He's, he's taking control. He's like, this is it. This is, this is all you got to think about on the floor. Start moving towards the door. There it is. Simple. It's a rhyme even. And, and that, that kind of thinking is, is very common amongst men, right? This is the procedural steps that need to be done. I'm going to do those steps in order and I will then achieve this outcome. And it, it doesn't just pertain to emergencies. It pertains to a lot of areas of their life. They get into a box and they're thinking about what needs to be done in that box. They'll set themselves a list of things they need to do and they'll set a goal and they'll start working towards the goal. And then they'll move to another box. They'll get inside their box. They'll start thinking about whatever it is and they'll start working towards the goal. And when they achieve their goal, they might close that box and not revisit it for a while unless prompted. So that's uh, kind of an interesting insight into how a lot of guys think about stuff. They, they don't always think about how it impacts other parts of their life or other things because they're much more compartmentalized. That's a vague and overgeneralized statement. I know because it's not consistent across everybody, but it is a good kind of starting point to work with. Yeah, I'm just thinking, you know, the the basic to to developing the basics to development developing a character is. I mean, we're saying the same thing over and over, and it really doesn't matter what their gender is. Is basically what are their weakness weaknesses? How are they going to grow? you know, and put them in situations that make them grow. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about the importance of a character arc. Mm -hmm. um, determining where, you know, where that character arc takes people in terms of an internal journey, an internalized journey of, you know, self-discovery or uh growth or facing their own demons or whatever um uh that, that yeah that's that's essential in writing a a a, a well-rounded character a three-dimensional character especially a guy but here's the interesting thing um not all characters have to have a character arc not all characters have to go on an internal journey and still be a complete character. Right. For instance, I'm going to put this on the table. Um, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He had no character arc. Yep. There was no, there was, he was the same person at the end of that movie as he was at the beginning. He knew who his friends were. He knew who he loved. He knew what his mission in life was. He knew all, everything he, he, he knew in the beginning never changed. 
the closest thing to a, a character arc that Indiana Jones came to was when he was talking to Belloc, the bad guy in the bar. And he said, you want to talk to God? Let's go talk to God together. I've got nothing better to do. Right then, he was willing to die because he was pissed off. He was going to throw away his mission. He was going to throw away everything he knew. He was going to throw away his everything he was about to go talk to God with Belloc. But, you know, 30 seconds later, his friend comes in to the bar and rescues him. And boom, now it's back on the mission. Let's go find the arc. It's the closest thing he came to an arc, a character. Uh, no, he actually died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking a character. Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a perfect name. There was no Ark. It was lost on Indiana Jones. So if you establish a character uh, in the beginning um, in a way that makes him compelling, I, I suppose that's really all you need to have a, a, a well-rounded three-dimensional character. But if not, then you have to sort of give him that, that arc. What changes him? How does he change? In what ways does he change? You know, how does he become more humble, faces fears, etc.? What kind of story are we writing? If you're writing a story where you've got a well-formed, well-defined character who's just overcoming an obstacle or odds or an evil person, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, then you want to not, you don't necessarily need a character arc in the story. But I guarantee you, Indiana Jones has overcome things that put him outside of his comfort zone to get him where he is now, right? His character developed pre Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Yeah. There was no additional character development that needed to be done in that story for him to be who he needed to be to complete that story. Mm -hmm. um, but he, but the, the character had gone through a lot to get there. And- You're a Temple of Doom. Huh? Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, that's right. Yeah. Which by the way, he had quite a character arc in Temple of Doom. Yeah. In the beginning, they were just stupid magic rocks. But at the end of the movie, he said, I believe now. Yeah, that is a character arc. I understand their power now. I think it's exactly. a yes. line. Yes. 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 And, and um, I do wonder sometimes if that's part of what made that movie less appealing was because I think a lot of people wanted to see a character that didn't need an arc, right? And him having to learn and grow might have been part of what made it less appealing. I don't know. But I know it's the least favorite of all the Indiana Jones movies. You're talking to the wrong guy. Because I love it. I thought it was good. Look, Doom was the bomb, dude. <laughs> that was the. He jumped out of an airplane with a rubber raft, bro. Come on. I like it. Hey, no, I I like all of them. I'm not arguing that point. Well, yeah. I like all of them up until we get to the Crystal Skull. But hey, you okay. know what? This is not a movie review. <laughs> I actually, um, while you guys are thinking, I remembered a a talk I heard by Tex Thompson. Tex Thompson is her I name. Oh, Tex. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah. I, I've, I've met her. I've talked to her on many occasions. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, she was talking about how to get deeper characters. And again, this I think this applies to everybody, men and women. But she had some really great observations about when you walk your character into a room, notice the things in the room that that character would notice. And then walk another character into the room, the same room, and only notice the things that this character would notice. And that's a way to deepen your characters that your readers get to know them better. Because now, you know, like if you have a botanist, when they walk in the room, they're gonna notice what type of plants are in the room, right? 
Yeah. Versus, you know, um, I don't know, a, a decorator who's going to notice your color palette, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of a, to me, a quick, quick and easy, you know, quick and dirty way to deepen your characters with some really simple techniques. And again, I think it works for men and women. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, things that men find thought. important and the things women find important when walking into a room, though, are not often the same things. I think you're going to figure that out between two people. But if you had a, a female botanist and a male botanist walk in the room, the, the male botanist may notice the plants and catalog them. But he might also be looking at like the, the, the power dynamics of the room, whereas the female walking in might notice the the, you know, more like the color palette or something else or the way her coworker is dressed. I don't know. I can't write women apparently. But anyway, the point being, right, that there are things that men are predispositioned to notice versus women and vice versa, right? Like maybe maybe the woman walking in would be able to, to notice when people are in a relationship. Oh, you know, those two, they finally got together. Whereas the guy's like, what? They, what? They were going, when did that happen? Right. Weeks ago, didn't you notice? No. I remember a friend of mine, we went in to visit, a, this was in college, we went to go visit somebody who when I walked in the room, I noticed that clearly this woman was very upset. She's a, This was, she was 20 and she had broken up or somebody had died or something. I didn't ask. I just could tell she was upset. She wasn't crying. But you could tell she was upset if you look. And my friend that was with me, completely oblivious, didn't even notice. And I shivvied him out of the room as fast as I could. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry to intrude. You know, if you need to talk, let me know. And we leave and walking down the hall. And I'm like, dude, what the hell's the matter with you? He goes, what? I said, couldn't you tell she was really upset? And she go, he goes, she was? Didn't even notice it. Didn't oh, even notice it. Yeah. So this was two guys walking in the room and one of them noticed something the other one didn't. So, I mean, I'm not trying to say that all gender roles are classically defined, but here's an example of a guy that just didn't even didn't even notice that she was upset wasn't even on his radar and he was in the room like 10 minutes so interesting yeah, yeah. He um he didn't notice that, people <laughs> you just mentioned classic gender roles i think that's a good way it's a good place to start if you're trying to make a uh, character three-dimensional because you have to make them two-dimensional first right Start with classic gender roles and give them, give that character, all that male character, let's say, all of the male classic gender roles that you know that that character would inhabit and then challenge them with those um, other character traits that are not classic gender roles. You that's know, a like, really good, that's a really good piece of advice. That is a really good piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would just, it would round the character out, make it give it that three dimensional. Because mm -hmm. there, there's a tremendous number of, of like just just look at like jobs, um, occupations, right? Um, so traditionally, if, you, if you're looking at like the stereotypical traditional gender roles, like women women cooked and men went to the office, and yet a man would be allowed to be a chef, right? So a chef is a professional in the kitchen. So how did, how did that come about? How did that, how did that happen? And, and the reality is, is that um, there were certain roles that men considered acceptable, but a variation of that role wasn't acceptable. 
So it's not okay for the guy to be cooking for his family at home unless he's cooking on a barbecue grill. Or, and if he's a chef, he can be a chef at work, but then when he comes home, he wants his wife to cook for him, which is all a bunch of BS. None of that is really true. But imagine how, how deep you can make a character if you're setting him in a traditional character role where he enjoys being a chef at work and then he comes home and he enjoys being a chef at home. And he does do all the cooking for the family at home. And now he's broken out of that gender stereotype that other men impose on other men, yeah. right? So, yeah. yeah, that was that was just giving an example to what CT said. That's that's all that was trying to give an example of how to do what CT just did: create a an an old stereotypical gender role and then build on it in some way. All right, guys. Well, we're uh, the clock is ticking. So, do you guys have any uh, closing thoughts for our listeners and viewers? Yeah, actually, making a three-dimensional male character, and I suppose this goes for making three-dimensional female characters, I don't think the rules change when you're dealing with antagonists as well as protagonists. Um, Because every antagonist has to have something about them that's likable, right? That, And you, you can't have something that, that's likable unless you believe it. And make so following those same rules to kind of write your bad guy can work just as well as in writing your good guy as well. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind because we all love, there's nothing cooler in a book than a good bad guy. <laughs> you know? I love the line. Every, every bad guy is the hero of his own story. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. Yes. Yeah. That's- that's a great way to think of a bad guy. He thinks he's doing the right thing, and but everybody else thinks it's the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. So we kind of had a wide-ranging scope on this particular episode. Um, we've kind of answered some questions about how to write a three-dimensional character, full stop, regardless of gender. We've talked a little bit about how to how men interact with each other in a way in a way that would help you understand how to write a male character and then write them from the male perspective, which would then give you a deeper male character, a more three-dimensional male character. The, the reality is though, um, I, think, I think if you just take a step back and you just look at humanity from a, on a higher scale, we all suffer from the same emotional, um, I'm trying to think of the right word here, um, limits. Yeah. We'll throw that in there. We all have insecurities. We all have fears. We all have desires. We all have passions. We all have hate and love and anxiety. And all of that is in us. Um, And while society may dictate that certain genders are allowed to show certain emotions and not others, they're all still there. They're all still there on both sides. So if you are aware of the entire emotional spectrum, hey, there's a better term, the entire emotional spectrum, and you can ensure that you can pull from any part of that to pull into your character, regardless of gender, then you have the ability to create a pretty good three-dimensional character. Um, and the reality is, is that like men don't always show some of those emotions, but that doesn't mean they don't have them. Um, and so that when you're inside a guy's head, you're experiencing all of them. You're experiencing all those emotions. What he shows and what is inside his head is not necessarily the same thing. So yeah. use that emotional toolkit 
Hey, another good term. Jeez, I'm coming up with them now like crazy. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me jot that down real quick. Okay. All right. Well, sounds good. So that's going to conclude this episode of Writing Guys. And um, if you have any question, if you have a question you would like uh, our guys to answer for you um, so you can get inside a guy's head, visit writingguys.net and click the button to ask us a question. Uh, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone.